Hello there and welcome to Talking About Risks with me, Sunny Gopal. This is an audio extract from a video on my YouTube channel. And of course, if you prefer to watch the video, head on over to that channel, which is one word, R-E-D-R-I-S-K-S, and hit that subscribe and the notification bells. I promise you, there's no junk, it's all educational. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to Red Risks. Now, if you're new to this channel, please subscribe. You can find a clickable link in this corner and it will really make me happy and also help the channel grow. If there are any other videos that are related to this video that I'm going to do, I'll make life really easy by putting a link in the top corner here. So let's make a start. Many of you will know uh, Dom, Scott and Tim, and those of you who haven't, I've got a very short video, which I'm going to share with you now. Tim is recognized as a world authority on the subject of behavioral safety, safety leadership and organizational culture. Tim's also worked with the European Space Agency, BBC, Sky TV and the National Theatre. He's also chaired dozens of conferences on safety, health, and well-being in Europe and around the world. Tim gave the closing keynote address at the Campbell Institute's inaugural International Thought Leaders Conference in 2014. Scott is an alumni distinguished professor, pioneer of behavior-based safety, and he's a professor of psychology at Virginia Tech and director of the Center for Applied Behavior Systems. He's a founder of the idea of actively caring for people, or AC4P. I actually found out that he's actually a Google Scholar, over 20 papers with over 100 citations, uh, many of you will know Don. Previously, Don was a professor at Indiana University, Bloomington. He's a leading authority in behavioral science and safety culture. He's a chartered psychologist, a chartered fellow of IOSH, and also a member of the American Society of Safety Professionals. Now, Don's worked a lot in industry with major companies like ExxonMobil, Eli Lilly, Foster Wheeler, and he's achieved world-class safety results for them all. He's an award-winning author, has written several books on behavioral safety culture change and safety leadership. Dom, Scott, Tim, a very, very warm welcome. What I'd like to do is I've changed the format for this a little bit different, make it a little bit more exciting. I've, I'm going to start with a warm-up question, and then I'm going to hand it over to people who've sent some questions in. So they'll have a question and a person that they want to direct it to, or it's going to be panel-wide. Let me start with my warm-up question. And the question is, what is leadership? And who do you consider to be a good example of, well, positive leadership? And let me direct that question first to Dom. Hi. Um, okay. Who's a good leader? Julius Caesar. Epitome of a good leader. Um, okay. Came across many, many problems in his um, life and managed to overcome them. He was a great statesman. He was a great engineer. He, was, he always had the ability to pushed through to a solution and he knew everything about his troops. I mean, it was interesting when we're talking about uh, Caesar crossing the Rubicon, he had 250,000 Gallic warriors waiting for him on the Italian French border, which is currently Nice or Monaco these days. 
Um, and he kind of looked at them and thought, hmm, could be a bit of a problem. So in the middle of winter, in a blizzard, with their little, with, they didn't have socks in those days, they just had these leather uh, sandals with straps around them. They walked across the Alps in the middle of winter in blizzards, took them 10 days. Julius Caesar walked with his troops, walked all the way around the Alps, came back behind <clears> the back of the, the, the Gauls and proceeded to slaughter them with great um, gusto. Um, <laughs> but he cleared the solution, he cleared the, the problem. So he knew how to resolve a problem. He knew how to set the example. He knew he had an affinity with his troops. He would ask a, 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 a legionnaire, just a simple legionnaire, hey, how's your mother and your sister? I heard they weren't well. Simple things like that. So in Scott's terms, they show, he showed that he cared. And that thing, I mean, they would do anything for him. So for me, the, one of the, the finest leaders ever in history, Genghis Khan was another one. It was something a bit similar. So I kind of err to the military than I do industry because industry a bit like politics. That's, that's a good, good lead into probably our first question that we're going to have. So we're going to dive into that a bit more uh, later, Dom. Um, and if I may just move to Tim now. Tim, in your thoughts, who do you consider to be a great leader or positive leader, and um, what are the magic ingredients associated? Okay, well, I, I'll, I'll do well at the top, Dom, quoting Genghis Khan as a... Uh, <laughs> 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 kicking things off in a controversial style there. As a <laughs> Timogen, it's like you're yeah. enthusiastic at times, Dom, I believe. <laughs> but um, obviously, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll pick up the theme and... Uh, keep man come from from Afghanistan. <laughs> I'll keep keep away from uh, keep, I'll, I'll go to, to rugby you know there, I think there's a fantastic book about leadership came out last year by a guy called Sam Walker called The Captain Class yeah. and he really goes around the world in America around the world uh, looking at the best sports captains and, and leaders so you know your Alex Ferguson's and your Roy Keane get a, get, a, get a mention and so on Michael Jordan of course yes. uh, a new programme that's been on Netflix but the, the, the two I, I would put forward, uh, the first one is Richie McCall, the most successful captain in the history of sport. Right. Um, led the All Blacks to over 100 wins as captain. Played in 112 All Black winning teams, I think, uh, when the World Cup and, and so on. And, um, and he just completely ep epitomised um, the, the stuff that you read by Leoncini, you know, what makes a great leader, that he worked hard, that he was humble, that he put his troops first, he ate last all that Simon Sinek stuff. Um, and then he always did what needed doing and he was very good at spotting what that was. So one of the things that he did was to say, look, if the referee's weak, I'll get on him. You know, uh, if, uh, if I need to, if, if we're getting beaten up a bit, I'll start a fight. If the referee's <laughs> strong, I'll be polite. So he tailored what he did to, to suit the situation. But of course, um, with, with Mal sitting on the screen there, um, obviously Sam, Sam Warburton, Warburton the, the Welsh Flanker is the greatest captain in the history of sport, mm. without a question. Even yeah. Richie McCall wouldn't even have got in the team if, if uh, Sam was an All Black. Okay, <laughs> I disagree with that. With that. <laughs> uh, for, for very similar reasons. I mean, you know, and uh, Scott, your thoughts, please. Well, I think leadership is different than management. We need both. Managers hold us accountable. Leaders inspire us to be self-motivated or self-accountable. Leaders are honest. Leaders own up to their mistakes. Leaders, leaders ask for feedback. 
And again, leaders promote self-accountability and they do not exercise or group think, as you all know what that means. Mm. The reason I make, make those qualities because it's very easy for me, unfortunately, to mention people in our country who are not leaders. Mm. The politicians in our country are not leaders. They're the opposite of everything that I just mentioned and all the qualities that I, I teach my, my children and my students to be open, honest, and frank, and ask for feedback. I've had many professors, fortunately, in my life who have been leaders. Why? Because they inspired me to do my best. Scott, who would you say then would fit into that category then as an individual? I don't know. You guys were all mentioning individuals. Um, uh, no, don't, don't, don't worry. I mean, we, we thought you might have had someone in mind. It's not necessary Gordon, to Gordon Piss was my PhD advisor, and he, yeah. he clearly was a leader because he inspired yeah. me to, to keep going. You yeah, know? That's, that's, that's fine. So, many so, people in my life have done that. And, and here's, my, here's my point. Everybody can be a leader. Yeah. Everybody inspires others to be at their best. But unfortunately, the people who are getting the attention in our country are not leaders. I mean, just to summarize, I, I've got a lot out of my question and the responses from, from you and uh, from the three of you, and that is we, we see leadership ingredients as being, being em having empathy, caring, sharing, understanding people's problems, listening to what people are saying, yes. and to be honest. honest. I, think, I think you're right in the sense that the characters or the individuals that you picked, I mean, Attila the Hun, uh, Julius Caesar, whatever, whatever they they were in terms of what we perceive them the fact remains that they actually did deliver what they set out to do with the people that they had right that's the important fact now i can i can talk all, uh, forever about this i mean i've got uh, this book here by john adair 100 greatest leaders and all that stuff but i'm not going to hog the airwaves this is not not for me i think what i'd like to do is i'd like to turn it over to the individuals who are on this session for their specific questions but thank you for responding to that question. I certainly got some value out of that, and it very much echoes with what my mind is as well. Um, the first question, actually, from, from the um, uh, audience is, is Keith. Uh, Keith, are you on? I am, yeah. Good I, evening, you know. Yeah, go on. Throw us a question. Okay, though. Um, it's really uh, around leadership and how it's measured. question is, do we actually need to be um, aligned to a specific style of leadership, there's a lot of them about, a lot of people got different opinions, or is it just acceptable um, to be a, a healthy blend uh, of styles? Um, one of the things um, that I learned from a, a colleague many moons ago, and, he, and the guy was a natural leader, um, and he said to me in a, in a Yorkshire accent, as you probably tell mine, he's very much so, um, I was a uh, a young bricklayer, and he said, it's nice to be nice, Keith, lad, but sometimes you have to bear your teeth. Um, and he was very much a, um, a leader of men. Uh, I'm from a construction background. It was a it was a tough, a tough old industry then. I think it's changed slightly now, but it was it was just a question to the to the whole panel, really, a specific style of leadership. I don't believe personally that there is one that suits um, everybody. I think you have to be yourself. And if you turn out to be a leader, then great stuff. And Keith, did you want to specifically 
get someone on the panel to answer that question. I know you said it's panel generic, but yeah, should, we with, should we start with Dom's view on that? Yeah, I, th I think, yeah. Yeah, okay. Keith, like you, come from a construction background. Yes. Now, um, so I did a meta-analysis of 328 safety leadership studies, looking at the styles of the different sorts of leadership to see what impacted performance, which one's best, that was kind of what it was. And a lot of people have been promoting um, transformational leadership, have a vision and bring people with you and that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Okay, that's great. Then there's the ones who are the transaction leaders, we'll have a transaction, you do this and I'll yeah. give you this, and it's all about kind of performance in that way. Uh, bribery and corruption or reward and recognition, whichever yeah. way you want to put it. <laughs> So, Dom, you're, you're saying that it is, it is good to bear your teeth now and then. I guess. Sometimes, yeah. Yes. But there's the, the third one, uh, Sonny, sorry to cut across you, but the third one was servant leadership. Yeah. And the results of that study showed, and the servant leader is someone who says, hey, Sonny, what do you need from me to help yeah. you do your job properly? Whatever it is, I'll do my best to get it for you, and off you go. Okay? Right. I'm supporting you and doing those things. And when we looked at performance, um, the transactional, transformational servant leadership in terms of changing behavior all had a moderate impact. So we're using the uh, Cohen's D statistic. So it was like meta-analytic analytic, uh, statistic. So it has a moderate impact, essentially. But what was interesting was that the servant leadership uh, created the supportive environment. The supportive environment, in turn, had double the impact on changing safety behaviour and double the impact on bringing about employee engagement, which both, in turn, mm. impacted the incident rate. Sorry, Dom, you're saying that the servant relationship was better in terms of... It was double the impact of transactional and transformational. Can, can, can we... I know you've got probably a lot more to say on this. Can we, can we park it up and come back to it, or do you want to carry on a bit more? Well, just a little bit, just to say that when you look at that whole piece of work and the statistics, there's a downside to this as well, but right. I'll get to that later. But the real key point here is it doesn't matter to answer Keith's question. You can be, we are all a blend of all three of those things. We all are, naturally. One of them is predominant, okay? It's our natural way of being, which is what yeah. Keith is alluding to. But the key to improving performance as a leader is to create that supportive environment, whether you're transactional, transformational, or a servant leader, it makes no difference. Provided you create that supportive environment and you support your people, give them the resources and whatever they need, that's the key to unlocking the behavior change and the employee engagement and performance per se. But that's within safety. How that equates across outside of safety, I don't have the evidence to say one way or the other. So let, let's keep that in mind. I'm going to go to Scott in a minute. So, so we're looking at it in terms of a good combination of servant type, transactional and transformational. Can um, I clarify something? Please? Yes, please, Scott. Yes, go ahead. Transactional leadership is what I mean by management. Transformational right. leadership is what I mean is leadership. And I think that relates to what, what Dom was saying. But let me just also say this about, about leadership. There's... Keith was asking about different styles. There are four different styles as I see it, depending upon what the individual needs. Individuals might need instruction. Hmm. 
they're motivated, like, like a new employee comes in, they're motivated to do a good job, but they need instruction. So now we can call, talk about instructive leadership or teaching, okay? Now, some employees, some individuals, they know what to do, but they're burned out. They're bored. They're not motivated. So the, you know what they need? They need supportive leadership. They need leaders, colleagues. It doesn't have to be, you know, doesn't have to be the person ascribed to be the manager. It could be a friend. They need supportive leadership. And then there are some employees who need both. They need instruction and they need motivation. And in terms of style, Keith, I would call that coaching. Mm -hmm. They need coaching. They need both instruction and they need motivation. And there's one more person. What about the person who's already motivated and they already know what to do, what do they need? They need the delegation. Mm. They, need, they, need to be, they need to be put in a leadership position. Mm. Okay. So instructions-based, supportive, combination of the two, which is coaching and dele delegation. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, Tim, your thoughts? Uh, well, um I, I, you know, obviously I agree with Scott, you, you desperately need to be flexible and to tailor. Um, but I, I think, you know, in, in terms of what makes a good leader, we all know what the fundamentals are. The fundamentals are that you have to be authentic um, and you have to have integrity. And so that means being consistent, fair, transparent, um, et cetera, et cetera, whether you do that whilst terrifying everybody because of your natural, <laughs> your natural, your natural personality or whether you're much more consensual. But, you know, if you've yeah. got the basics right, and in terms of your day-to-day -day behaviors, I mean, I, I agree with Dom. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's talking to people. So, you know, I, I read a, a thing in a book, um, just today, Mindset, I think it was called, the Dwight book, and she says the best leader she ever worked for just asked why all the time. You know, yeah. the famous curious why question. When things have gone wrong or when you don't understand something, just ask it curiously, not aggressively. Or moving through to the safety differently crowd where they say, you know, I, I want you to make me lots of money without hurting yourself. There's a conundrum there possibly. Uh, what are we going to do about it? You know, yeah. what do you need from me? Let's just sit down and discuss it. I'm not going to say, let's do this safely, but by Friday, because I know you'll cut corners and get it done as safely as you can by Friday. I'm going to say, I want you to do it safely, and by Friday, if there's an issue with that, we need to sit around a table and thrash this through, yeah. you know, and then the basic transformational stuff, uh, I couldn't agree with more, you know, coaching and praising are about 20 times as effective in changing behavior as uh, telling uh, and, and criticizing uh, and communicating well, of course. Um, and then always remembering that you're leading by example all day, every day, whether you want to be or not. Um, so it's probably best to do it well. And I can I, can I cut in there? That leading by example piece, I think, is the key. And if you look at the process safety disasters, going back to the 1970s, there's four aspects of that that brings down leadership, regardless of style, Keith. Okay? Yeah. And that would be, do you know your safety management system and safety policies? Uh, do you know what your responsibilities are as a leader and your obligations? Do you know? Uh, do you know how much authority you have for safety? So if you go back to Piper Alpha, if you remember the Piper Alpha, yeah. the thing's burning and they're ringing the beat saying, can we put this fire out, please? 
Yeah, do you remember? Yeah. Okay. yeah. And then what you also find out is leaders don't know what they're accountable for. Yeah. So if you take those four things and then do that with all the other leadership stuff about visibly demonstrating your leadership and leading by example, helping change people's behavior and so on, that gives you a nice little matrix so you can kind of in a way overcome the style and focus on what you want the leaders to be doing. Mm-hmm. But to be able to be doing, they've got to be knowing. And I think what we see, and certainly in the process safety disaster world, is there's an awful lot of leaders, managers, supervisors, whatever you want to call them, charge hands even, who have not got a clue about safety at all. Sorry, Dom. Um, Keith, I think think you've got a selection of responses there, but correct me if I'm wrong. I think, have you you found um, what you wanted in that question and the response? Yeah, it was, to me, it just comes, well, it confirms my own uh, thoughts on uh, leadership, but be, mainly because what you, you have out there, there's a plethora of different um, people with different ideas about what leadership, leadership mm. uh, should be. Um, I think sometimes people get uh, hooked up on, I should be this this type of leader or whatever it, it's what it's really what works for you what you do naturally there's this process that leaders um aren't born they can be generated i don't believe that at all you've either to me you've either got it or you haven't you can enhance it you can't give it if that okay. if uh, that might be controversial i don't know yeah so this is I, this I, is an, i was gonna say sonny maybe yeah. an, an ex-military man uh, along with Dom and uh, Tony there, uh, you know, I think they, they'll agree that uh, our leadership skills uh, have been built up through a lot of experience uh, and the key being communication. Mm. Uh, and over a period of time from when you join the military uh, and you get indoctrinated into military ways, uh, you quickly learn uh, the hierarchy, you quickly learn what's uh, the right path, the wrong path, uh, uh, and when to take orders, when not to take orders, etc., etc. Now you also learn that there are some people in the military who can never be a leader despite their best efforts. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> there's, so plenty, I, I, um, there's plenty of them around. So let me add, let me add something that that uh, yeah yeah go ahead. Keith just reminded me of. There's also something called followership. You have to know when to be a follower and you know how to be a leader and, and you know how to discriminate between the two. And I want to just also follow up with what Tim said earlier. What Tim was describing as the characteristics of a leader reminds me of interpersonal trust. Right. What a leader does is promote interpersonal trust. We trust, by the way, the ability of the leader to do the job and we trust the intentions of the leader. And those are two different things, by the way. You can trust their ability, but you don't trust that they're looking out for you. So that's not trusting their intentions. So we could talk about, and again, Tim mentioned a lot of them, the characteristics of leadership that promotes interpersonal trust. Again, you all mentioned communication. Communication. Tim mentioned be consistent. Consistency certainly promotes trust, interpersonal trust. And there's a bunch of other one, other words we could talk about. No, I, th- I think I think some good conversations. I mean, this question is 
quite old, isn't it? People have asked many times, are they born? Are they made? What can we do? How can we change, etc.? And I think there's a lot of great responses there. And your question originally, Keith, was, is it acceptable to have a healthy blend of styles? And is there a specific alignment to a leader? The response, I guess, is it's a combination of many things, isn't it? Yeah. So I think it yeah, echoes they, what you're saying, Keith, there, that sometimes you just... They probably, leader. those leaders probably went on an MBA and had the humanity kicked out of them. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> one thing that we, we haven't, one thing that we, we haven't talked Very about nice too much... <laughs> XRE, uh, being an ex-Royal Engineer, um, the hu hum humility, um, you could be leading a team of people, but you may not be the smartest one in that team. You may not right. be the expert in that team. So yeah. it's most important to be a leader, but a humble leader. You know, yeah. Surround yourself with good people and let them do what they're good at. Don't tell them how to do it. Discuss with them how they're going to do it. See if it fits in the plan, and if we can sort it. But humility, along with integrity, yeah. I think is a very major uh, points that we really need to, to learn these days. We need to stop the bloodline creatures, the MBAs, and, and, and get back to the <laughs> basics, basics of safety. Sorry, I, I was going to say, and that, that is manage, not micromanage, Tony. Yeah, yeah. but Tony's yeah. talking about the creme de la creme. He's talking about dealing with people who are the creme de la creme. <laughs> yeah, follow, follow, yeah, follow the line of bodies through the minefield. Uh, school. <laughs> could I throw a thought out here from the peanut gallery? Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Bill. Go ahead. Yeah, go on, Bill. Oh, it's peanuts, yeah, go. <laughs> I, I kind of think that we like to, uh, uh, as humans, assume that leadership is something inherent in some people, that you're born with it, that, that it's magic because that excuses us from having to learn it and study it and measure it. And, and so I'm cautious about that because I also come from a military background and a fire service background. And I know right. that you can train people in these things and mentor them, but it is, it's a long and painful process because yeah. the, the process has to be individualized to each person. Okay. Um, I gotta support. Can I support what Bill said? You're absolutely right, man. There's no such thing as born to be a leader. I mean, yeah. really, as a psychologist, I know it's not. You, you, we study nature versus nurture, yeah. and leaders learn. Yeah, leadership is nurtured, and we can nurture people to be better leaders. Well, that that's good news, then, Scott. In other words, you don't have to be born into the clan. You can you can nurture those skills um, as you as you develop. Right. But oh, can I talk stuff. about the measurement piece that Bill raised? Because I think that's really interesting. And I yeah. think a lot of debate about leadership is about, I've seen stuff this morning, the seven behaviours of a leader, and I look at them, not one of them is a behaviour, they're all traits. And we've been testing this. In, in, when Tim and I were at UMIS, there was this question of management commitment to safety and did it make a difference? And in the mid-90s, we switched the question. We said, well, who cares? Who, what manager is going to say they don't care about safety? They're not. We said, what difference does it make? Yeah. And we started measuring leadership behavior in terms of how they supported safety in those days when we were doing the BBS implementations. And then we kind of widened it out. How do you support safety in your 
organization or entity. And we would get these guys to come up with five or 10 behaviors that they could do each and every single week. That would support whatever the safety initiative was. That uh, was recorded in software. So our peer software, for example, does that. And then we would give feedback, as Scott talks about giving feedback, we would give them feedback on a weekly basis or a monthly basis and collate the results for a facility across all the managers and say, hey guys, look, you as a management team, this is what you're doing and this is what you're not doing. And it turned out it didn't matter whether you hated people, whether you loved people, whether you were empathic, whether you were a psychopath, a sociopath, it made no difference. So long as you did the behavior and we saw the behavior changes. So we come back again, you talk about behavior and safety behavior in all of these different companies. Hi, Jeanette. Um, you've got all of these um, people they're all different personalities. They've all got different takes on life. We don't care. What we want, what we pay them to do is come to work and engage in certain behaviors. And leadership is no more and no less than that. The issue is how are you defining those behaviors? We yeah. ask leadership to define yeah. it themselves. But it's been highly successful. In the Middle East project in Qatar, we ended up with 2.3 million observations of behavior and something like, I don't know, a couple of hundred thousand leadership behaviors. And when we did multiple regression with one on the other, we were able to work out that the leadership behaviors had impacted on the guy's safety behavior by as much as 86%. Hmm. It was fantastic. But you can... Can... If I may, um, sorry to cut across you, if I may, because you've actually set this up in a nice way for the question that Jeanette has. So Jeanette, can I, can I impose on you to present that one? Yes, yes. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, Janet from Poland. Uh, I have so many questions. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> I know you have. <laughs> but, um, but I just want to tell you that I'm not coming from military background. Uh, so, but I'm coming from medical background. I'm a medical doctor. And uh, the, the, the question I have is quite controversial, but... Uh, I would say talking uh, what about we talked about being leader. For me, I think two words are important about being leader, just my point of view, integrity and care. So care is very important for me when there is a care because leaders, they also need some motivation. So in order to share something they need to have within and there's, they, they need to have um, some kind of a trigger, uh, so antecedent to give that leadership. And I think care is one of these. But that's, that's quite a, the question that I got from one of professors at the universities here in Poland. And he asked me, Janet, we do teach leadership in our universities, MBA courses, leadership courses. But could you tell me, please, if there is any difference between leadership and safety leadership? And when you look at the research, when, I, when, when you look at the papers, when you look at the academic background, I would agree that you've got a lot, we've got a lot of information when it comes to leadership. If we start digging into the safety leadership, yes, we do. You would agree with me, but sometimes you meet some managers, top managers, and they believe that they're very good leaders. They say, yes, John, we do inspire them. We motivate them. We care. But when you look from the perspective of safety and caring for people, it's 
not kind of on the top of their values. And you think, okay, but is that safety leadership is part of your leadership? Do they teach that? At the, for example, MBA courses in Warsaw. I checked all of them. Nothing about safety. Nothing. None of the universities teach uh, safety leadership part of the MBA courses. And then that say, for me, safety leadership is a part of the leader, leadership. So if you want to be a leader, you have to be a safety leader as well. But I would like to hear your voices. Well, let's start. Let, we've got a certain order going. Let's start with Tim on this one, if we can. Okay, yeah, um, I, I have an answer. Uh, I think... Um, you can be a really good leader by common definition and a poor safety leader um, because I think it's a subset and I think it's a, an, uh, an affect of your personality and your values. So, uh, for example, to try and be controversial, here we have a, a very successful leader, a man called Boris Johnson, who is a serial winner. He's won at everything he's, he's tried, became Tory leader, uh, won the, the mayoral election for London as a Tory, which is difficult to do twice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when the Tory leadership, when the Brexit votes, when the, when the election, he's a serial winner. Um, and one of the things that he did by common consent was uh, he's, a, he's, he's useless <laughs> as well in many respects. He's not a, a, a good leader. And one of the things he most spectacularly did was he delayed making a decision about lockdown by about eight to nine days. And the experts say that might have killed 20,000 people. But I would say that as a typical right-wing uh, business-friendly leader, he wasn't worried enough about his people. Um, mm. and that consequently, that about care? That that's I the care mentioned. piece. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I would say he's clearly a successful leader. He's a man who won an election by making a cup of tea and looking quite friendly when he did it um, because he comes across as, as an actual leader. But I wouldn't follow him to the corner shop. I would call him a transactional leader, but I wouldn't call him a transformational leader. I would right. call him a manager, Tim, maybe a manager. I mean, I, I believe what, what Janet says. I think leaders not only care, they actively care. Right. And we, all, we use the word empathy. If you have empathy for the people you're leading, then you must care about their safety. So, in fact, I don't think safe leadership is a subcategory under leadership. I think if you're not safe and considering the health and the safety of the people, of your followers, you're not a leader. You're a manager or you're a boss yeah. or, or you're a president. You're not a leader. Scott, can I throw a different perspective on this leadership at the executive level? Executives have, and I'm including Boris here, Tim, yep. have many, many, many competing demands, many, okay, of which some has to be satisfied in the short term, some in the long term, okay? When it comes to safety in executive level, one of the things I've noticed is they are highly dependent upon safety professionals who are telling them that what they're doing is hunky-dory. But when you and I might go and look with a different lens, we discover they're doing Google safety. Something <laughs> happens, they have a response, they go to Google, they get an answer, and they throw it at the problem. And they genuinely, genuinely believe they are demonstrating integrity and that they are demonstrating that they care. The problem you've got in organizations, Jeanette, to get back to your issue actually isn't the top of the organization and it isn't the bottom of the organization. Yeah. It's everybody in between who want, who's the wannabe. Yeah. 
yeah. and have got their own political thing. That's where you need to work. The old mm. saying back in the 60s and 70s that the supervisor is the pinch point in the organisation of information and communication flow still very much holds today. It might have gone up a little bit, it might have gone down a little bit, but it's that centre. And if we can get to work on that centre, I think that's where you make the difference. But I have to say, in all honesty, the executives, in, in my experience, genuinely care and have genuinely have got the integrity, but they're being guided by the information they're given and all the politics. Some very interesting learnings there, and I'm making these cards, and I'll share these with you at the end. Um, Jeanette, did that, did that sort of hit the mark for you? Does it resonate with what you had in mind? Yes, I think, yes, this is, uh, that, that's what actually my, that was very close to my reply to the professors at the universities because it was okay. quite... Now, I know you have quite a few questions, but what we'll do is we'll come back to you in a second. But I want to jump to Mal. Where are you hiding, Mal? There you are, Mal, with the flag behind you. <laughs> Mal, you have a question as well, don't you? One of the things now that uh, I think, uh, and it's an element of safety uh, that I think has always been on the back burner, uh, but it's seldom practiced, uh, particularly in smaller enterprises, uh, and that is BCP, Business Continuity Planning. So, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll go straight to Tim uh, uh, with that and then on to Dom uh, and, sure. and, ask, and ask him what sort of advice do you think uh, that uh, you would now give to professionals with regard to BCP? Oh, jeez, that's, uh, that's a tough one, that, isn't it? It's, uh, <laughs> um, but, I mean, the, the, the basics still apply, Mal, don't they? You know, um, what's the worst that could go wrong? Um, you know, and, and, and asking that of people who are likely to be on the front line. You know, what, what do we do? What, what, what will go wrong? What do we need to do about it? What will work? I think we're, we're, we're probably looking at now, because of the, the COVID, we've had now got this domino effect uh, mm -hmm. where one business closes down, affects the next one, affects the next one. Uh, so what do we need to do to stop them continuing to fall uh, and get things back onto a level keel. Do you mean generally? Yeah. Goodness me, I, I, that's, I, I don't know. You know, I, uh, I, I rode around the other night because um, it was Saturday night and it was warm, so I rode around town centre on my bike <laughs> to see what Manchester looks like when it's locked down <laughs> at 11 o'clock on a Saturday okay. night. And I just thought, oh my God, you know. Nobody's washing sheets, nobody's washing towels, nobody's making sandwiches for workers who aren't here, the taxis are empty, nobody's doing anything, you know, where does this, where does this end? You know, I noticed a predator manager have just um, made half their workforce redundant, uh, Swiss, uh, the, 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 the ground support teams at the airports, half their workers have gone. I, um, I, well, I don't know. It looks like we've, we've got a bit of business in front of us then. There's something to think about. <laughs> well, Dom, Dom's, 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 yeah. Dom, yeah, Dom's got, I know Dom's got an answer. Yeah, I'll ask you Drastic drastic solutions, cut taxes, get rid of taxes immediately. <laughs> all income tax, all VAT, all taxes, get rid. Go raise. That sounds like a song, Dom. <laughs> we need yeah. money. Britain is in the doo-doo. Dom, who's going to pay the nurses? Uh, yeah, yeah. Hang on. Hang on. 
That's it. The money's in the pension funds from all the local authority cat, fat cats who've been ripped off <laughs> for the last 30 years. But in all seriousness, cut taxes. Get rid of taxes, moratorium, six months, no taxes. Give the yep. people the chance to be able to do things. A lot of companies are taking the opportunity to shed labour and cut costs because they were going to do it anyway. God, you've, right. been, you've been sitting quietly listening to this. What's your thought? <laughs> First, don't do what the United States is doing. Yeah. Don't listen to us. We're, we're screwing up. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that people are doing exactly what we see have happened in industry? It's not going to happen to me. I don't have to follow these safety rules. It's, it's, take the mask, for example. If we all wore that mask, went out in public, we would decrease this, this pandemic. But mm. people aren't doing it. In, in our country, anyway, we're, we're, we have groups gathering for rallies, political rallies, not wearing masks, showing off the fact that I don't need this thing. Um, it's not for you. Now, I got the feeling that your question was an interesting question because it's about BCP. But in terms of leadership, I mean, can leaders really do anything in terms of cascading effects of collapse of the economy? I, I got not so much uh, uh, the collapse of the economy, but certainly from their own uh, uh, business uh, um, experience, um, I think I think leaders uh, should have uh, the background knowledge sure. of what they need to do to stay in business. Could I just make one comment? Yeah, so yeah, go for it, Paul. It's refreshing for somebody to say I don't know the answer. You know, like I we, think so. I think so. Agreed. Well, well presented, Tim. Thank you. Like, go to all right safety will start that out safety and then we were expected to hash it together or whatever but it's okay yeah. to say i don't know i noticed chengis you had your hand up uh, in turkey <laughs> sounds like eurovision song contest this <laughs> sounds like it doesn't it uh, good evening everyone uh good evening from cranfield bedfordshire in the uk so uh, I was just going to ask you as a question, I guess we're running out of time, but what maybe it's just a sort of food for thought for research, because I don't disagree with most of the things said already, and I don't know whether you call it a sort of trade competency, but one of the key uh, issues for me is the uh, leader's ability to unite people when there are sometimes inevitably binary choices that could be within the organization within the country and uh, tim's example uh, of johnson is although uh, many people might call it a good leader but he still i think in my view failed to uh, unite the country you might just call it a mission impossible but i guess i'm genuinely interested that even within an organization sometimes you can look at a risk and you can look at the context and even the workforce or the management team can be divided which direction that the organization should go. And in those circumstances, how can you make a decision in the boardroom, uh, voting or not voting or whatever, but some uh, kind of leadership needs to take it uh, further. And actually, even though those people completely disagree with the uh, sort of decision made, and then they need, still need to go along with it and uh, to a degree follow it. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I think it's an integrity issue, you know, and uh, to go back to Boris, since you've since you mentioned it, he wanted to be prime minister. I don't, yeah. think he, I don't think he thought through what he was going to do when he got there. And I, <laughs> and I don't think his ambition was to be a good prime minister. I think he just wanted to be prime minister and he's been faced with a huge problem and he didn't know what to do. 
Um, and I think it's a, I think it's a lack of integrity. I know Dom's going to disagree with me, but I, I think that's where all the problem comes from. Yeah, I actually do agree with a lot of what you say, Tim. But I think the point I wanted to make, and I think it was great. Basically, you would my take on what you said was it's collegiate decision making versus the individual leaders' decision making. And that if you've got to a point where you can't unite the country or you can't unite whatever the, the way forward is, that's where the leader goes, this is the way it's going to be. That's it. We're just going to do it. Because as, as, we, as we talked at the very beginning, at the very beginning... It's management. By the way, in our country... We have made it a political issue. We've made COVID-19. It doesn't matter who's in charge I would, here. I would just throw, let me just throw in. Let me just, Tim, we were talking about trust. We were talking about communication. We talk, Here's a word, I think, for that boardroom. It's, it's a word called consensus. Take the time in the boardroom to get everybody on board. Get, it's not a mind, don't vote minority opinion. Get everybody, put the cards on the table face the brutal facts and and take time to get everybody to buy in to the point but if you can't get there if then this is the point scott america since i've lived in america i'm astonished with american politics absolutely astonished. <laughs> one gets in and everything else is bad another one gets in and then all of that's bad none of them have got integrity they've all got an agenda they don't give a damn about the people one way or the other one of the things that I, i'd like to do if i may if you just allow me say three or four minutes of your time now is for you. What I want to do is I want to summarize some of the learnings because the title was Leadership, What Are the Magic Ingredients? So I've, I've done a set of notes here and I'm going to flash these cards at you and um, it'll give you a summary of some of the conversations. There are no specific order. Let me summarize the, the, the sort of session today and give you some thoughts and feedback. So the first, the first set of words, again, in no particular order, the double asterisk means that it was a big hitter with us all, is about humility and integrity. Integrity was a shiner. It was mentioned so many times by everybody. So magic ingredients, put that to the side. You've got two there. Now, the other words that were mentioned, and these are my words, these are your words and collective discussions, is empathy and supportive. Two stars for supportive. Nearly everybody talked about supportive in there. The next one that we talked about is care and trust. And care was a shiner. It really came across in the discussions. Leadership, one of the magic ingredients should be that they care about their people. The one in blue here is a bit different, but have a look at this. And it was Scott that mentioned it. Honesty and consensus. Consensus, yes, we can talk about it all day. Honesty, we all agreed it's important for a leader to have that as, a magic, <coughs> as an ingredient for a good, strong leadership. And now someone mentioned the word is to unite us all. And pardon the pun, but my trump card. Oh, that's, that's an oxymoronic thing to say. <laughs> when it comes to it. But my trump card is to be human. Those were my takings from this discussion about leadership and what are the magic ingredients. You've been very kind. You've allowed me two or three minutes there to, to chalk this up. But did I miss anything? Let's have a two or three minute quick sort of close up, wash up session. Is there anything else you want to add to the mix that wasn't mentioned in there? 
I, I want to add the fact that we could have a whole session on discipline. Wow, I've yeah. So a lot of disagreement. The definition of discipline comes from the Latin word to teach. Mm. And so to what extent, when you think of discipline, are you thinking of punitive consequences? So that's, anyway, we can, I just, I just mentioned yeah. that leaders <laughs> just know better. Here, Scott, leaders, you know, leaders know better that. I think we hit the button with the ingredients there. We, we had some really good conversations, some solid conversations, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you did as well. Thank you so much for taking part.